Hey, what's up, everybody? This is The Greatest Show on Dirt, Monday, November 7th. I'm your host, Quentin, coming to you. It's the 6th. Today's the 6th. Gosh, I got the date wrong again. I never know what day it is, but I do know my name, and I'm Quentin. It's our one-month anniversary. Of it course is our you one-month anniversary. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, this is the real host, Courtney, with The Greatest Show on Dirt, and we're here to talk to you about the world series. We are indeed the Houston Astros won 56 years. This team was in existence, and they finally won a World Series. Choice. I have something to say. Go for it. I need to make, this is a public service announcement. PSA. PSA. I apologize for my false prediction. I had some sources that let me down. I really can't disclose those sources. Um, I was sworn to secrecy. It may be my dog Brody, but that's still out for debate. But I was given some poor information that the Dodgers were going to win. I wrote it explicitly on my notes. Dodgers will win. Astros will not. And and they let me down, and they didn't win. Yeah. So I just wanted to publicly apologize. Apology accepted, first and foremost, by me. <laughs> Journalists like we are, we never reveal our sources sure. or MOB sources. We sure. get we get text messages around the clock. Um, like, I can read you the last text message I got right now. I'll read it on air, but I won't tell you who it's from. Sure. Your order is on the way. Yep. That's exactly. the last text message I got. Your exactly. order is on the way. I'm not going to read anything else other than that. Mm-hmm. But us journalists, yeah, we get a lot of sources. Some of them lead us the right way. Mm-hmm. Some of them lead us the wrong way. But, Courtney, right. this is... It's not your fault. It Just like it wasn't Matt Damon's fault on Goodwill Hunting, this no. isn't your fault. It's a you bad Darvish's source. fault. It might actually be you Darvish's <laughs> fault. That's a really good point. Or it might be Clayton Kershaw's fault. Do you want to talk about you Darvish a little bit? Do you have any... Do you really think it was you Darvish's fault? Um, I don't think that he can be to blame fully. <laughs> I think that he definitely let me down, but I feel bad for the guy. I'm not kidding. Like, he looked dejected throughout the entire mm-hmm. outing. Like, it made me sad in my heart. Yeah. And I'm usually pretty cold-blooded, and I actually felt bad. Like, I started feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. I think a lot of baseball fans probably take that initial thing of, because that sounds like a silly question for me to ask you. Do you think it's you, Darvish's fault? Of sure. course it's not his fault. Right. But I'm with you. I feel really bad for him. When I started planning the show, yeah. I was I started planning it with like a roast of you, Darvish, how he wasn't like a big game pitcher and all of these things. But this is a pitcher that's had a lot of early inning anxiety. Before he was even traded, it was noted that his first inning earned run average was extremely high. And now everything's coming into question of, is he a valuable free agent pitcher and how much does the World Series affect him? What do you think about that? I don't think. I mean, I think his his stock definitely went down. I think that mm-hmm. both of his appearances didn't do him any justice. He didn't do himself any justice. I think his stock's down. I don't think the Dodgers keep him. I think that's pretty obvious. But yeah, I I don't know what's to come for him or from him. I really don't know. I think it was a mistake that they you know signed him and and had him as such a important part of the World Series. I think that was a mistake, and obviously they ended up yeah. paying for it. In the in the form of losing the entire World Series, I think that better choices could have been made. Obviously, I'm not an expert, but just as a, a fan looking, you could obviously tell that it wasn't a good choice to put him out there at least twice. Yeah, you bring up a pretty a really good point because a lot of people talk about in that game seven how maybe they shouldn't have sent you Darvish out there because he wasn't prepared for that. Especially yeah. when I think a lot of people. We're pretty confident that Clayton Kershaw could go out there and get you maybe four good innings. Sure. But also Alex Wood. Yeah, but who knows what he would have done. Like, there's so many what-ifs. No, but you've got to know 
there's and I've said it a million times that Clayton Kershaw, the big stage, freaks him out a little bit because sure. his, his numbers are inflated. You've got a guy since 2012 who hasn't had an earned run average over like two and a half, but in the playoffs he's seven and seven with like a nearly a four and a half earned run average. But knowing what you Darvish went through beforehand, and knowing that the slider wasn't working for him, which could have been, which we might go into later this episode about everyone complaining in the World Series that the balls are slicker. And notably, the pitch was a, that was affected the most was a slider, which you Darvish throws predominantly, and so right. does Ken Giles, the Houston Astros closer, who imploded during the whole World Series and was yeah. completely ineffective to the point where the Astros manager, A.J. Hinch, would not go with him. Sure. And with that being said, you had a, flat, a fresh Alex Wood who went five and two-thirds and gave up one hit and one run in his one outing against the Astros. And obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. I don't know that anyone expected you, Darvish, to have back-to-back worst outings of his career. I think the chances of that, you got a better chance of going down to the uh, clubhouse and winning bingo back-to-back than you See, do I let know. that happen. I almost predicted that. Not that, obviously, my track record is any good, but I almost predicted that. Like I, After his first outing, I really didn't think that he was going to turn it around. I knew it was going to be worse. I just yeah. thought... This isn't going to work out for him because he didn't seem like he was the type of guy at this moment during this series to be like, okay, that was a bad start. I'm going to come out there and I'm going to like completely turn it around. I don't think, one, he had the spirit to do it, and I don't think he had it in him. I, I mean, I really don't. Yeah, and I was skeptical from before they even acquired him because there was that 10-run game where he played Miami and didn't have anything working for him. So, what do you, Who do you think they should have gotten besides you, Darvish? What do you think they should have done? What would have been a better play for the Dodgers? Instead of obtaining Dar- Yarvish, Darvish. Oh, okay, you Darvish. I just called him Yarvish. Okay, that's a we call him that. <laughs> that's a really good question because if you try to take like the hindsight twenty twenty out sure. of it, because it's a hard question to answer when everything's laid out in front of you. But the Los Angeles Dodgers are still preparing to the future, preparing for the future, mm-hmm. and holding on to a lot of stuff that they have. So, on one hand, I'm skeptical of the Dodgers not doing what the Chicago Cubs did last year and giving up a number one prospect Mm -hmm. for a number one pitcher and actually winning the World Series. Now, if the Los Angeles Dodgers, maybe they get Sonny Gray, or if the Los Angeles Dodgers get Justin Verlander, I mean, that still doesn't guarantee that the Astros would have won because a lot of the Astros' bats had a hard time during the World Series because you had a lot of young lefties. Corey Seager. You mean the Dodgers. Cody Bellinger. Did I say the Astros? Yes. I still get nervous on air. I don't know if you guys can tell <laughs> that or not. Most people think of me as a supremely confident person who just who thinks that? eats bread and water and gets swole all day. But um, who, who thinks that? Just fans and stuff. You know, <laughs> A lot of those two, those reviews, I don't let pass through because I don't want to seem like I'm just on a different level. Oh, sure. Body. Yeah, you want to you know, stay humble. I do. I want to I stay hashtag I humble. I do. You know, the spotlight's on us, you know, spotlight's on us, you know. But the young bats of the Dodgers, you yeah, meant to say. I did, I did. You know, I was in Applebee's the other day getting the half-price appetizers, and people recognized no, you weren't. me everywhere. We don't they eat did. it. We don't they, eat at Applebee's. They, we'll cut that. We'll have to cut that out. Just go. Along You're gonna with lie it. on air. Just go along with it. Just huh? Go along with okay. It. Um, <laughs> the young bats. <laughs> the Dodgers are still a really young team, so you've sure. got. A young Cody Ballinger, a young Corey Seager. Mm-hmm. And guys were dropping breaking balls at their back foot, and they were just swinging through them. So right. I don't, the Dodgers. Who knows? Here's the thing. You know, the Los Angeles Dodgers are going to be, they won 104 games this year. 
they're going to be stronger next year than they are this year. Yeah, but people said that about the Cubs as well, and that didn't really happen. <laughs> That's true because they they're, had I the, mean, people were probably having the same conversation. Like, although the Cubs did win the World Series, people are like, man, you know, they won. How many games did we win last year? I don't even remember. 103. Yeah, 103, right? Like, the same situation. Oh, the Cubs are going to be even better. Not. Um, we're lucky we made the, the postseason this year. Yeah, it's true. The division was a struggle. Yeah. But I guess if I was... From the get-go, I thought the U Darvish thing was yeah. a bad idea. I was Team Sonny Gray the whole time. Sure. But that wouldn't have been any better because Sonny wasn't – I mean, he was, I think, the fourth starter for the Yankees. He wasn't doing the Yankees any favors in Mm-mm. the postseason because he could barely – I don't know if any of his starts even got into the sixth inning. But I feel like that happened a lot, though, this postseason. I feel like a lot of starters came out fourth and fifth inning. No, they did, actually. Yeah. And I think that is the number one thing – that probably hurt the Los Angeles Dodgers because yeah. you had games to where Rich Hill got pulled in game two, I believe, after four and one-third of an inning. Mm-hmm. He had already struck out Jose Altuve hot twice. Right. To get him to strike out is like trying to get me to eat vegetables, right? It doesn't right. happen. Sure. And I know. But he pulled him and went to the bullpen that early. Yeah. And I, and, and I know and we talked up, about that. And they ended up losing game two. And there, you know, he pulled Alex Wood. After he gave up one hit, and it so happened to be a home run, and he pulled him. And Dave Roberts has a really good bullpen, so I don't blame him going to it. Like, yeah. if you've got a Ferrari, put, put your foot on the gas and go for it. Yeah. But I don't think there was a need to pull those guys so early because at one point, Kenley Jansen, the Dodgers closer, the best closer in all of baseball, he gave up runs on three consecutive outings. That is it. Like, Unheard of. You, if you would have told me that, I would have given you a hundred percent. I'll bet you my next paycheck that that does not happen, and I would have lost. Well, I don't want one. I don't want you to do that because we're married and we have a shared bank account. But two, respect. <laughs> I think that while you have a very productive and really efficient bullpen, I think maybe he relied on them a little too much. I right? think so. so. Like I think he got a little. He got scared. Like something would happen, and he would immediately mm-hmm. go to the bullpen. Like you were saying, I don't know if that worked out for the best for them. I think that maybe used them less, and they would have <clears throat> stayed a little fresher. I mean, who knows? This is yeah. all speculation, obviously, as to if that would even have changed any outcome. I just want my notes to be correct, so I'm thinking of any way that the Dodgers could have won. <laughs> well, at one point, they had gassed Brandon Morrow so much. He came in and one of those games and threw six pitches, got no outs, and gave up four runs. Yeah. Gave up four runs on six pitches. That was in, I think that was game five. That was the last game in Houston. Yeah. And they just bashed. That might have been the 13 to 12 game. I'm not too sure. And I think that was kind of the big thing, really. But they did put you, Darvish, in a little bit of a bind, for sure. But What do you you think the Dodgers look like next year? I know you said awesome. What are their pitching looks like? What you said makes me second guess that because baseball is such a hard sport to predict. Mm -hmm. In 2016, the Twins lost 100 games, and this year they made a wild card. And for about half the game, we're giving the Yankees a pretty good run. They scored three runs in the first and ran Luis Severino off after two-thirds of an inning. Yeah. So what it's going to look like next year, I don't know. If I go with – if I have to answer that question right now, I would say Yankees-Nationals World Series. I still like the Nationals next year because they're gonna have they're gonna be healthy. They're gonna have guys back. They've got a new manager who was a Cubs guy, Joe Madden guy, Dave Martinez. Sure. I still. Um, I'm not a Nationals fan though. Not that that means that they're not going to make it to the World if Series. If they make but. if they make some more bullpen moves in the offseason, because sure. they amped up their bullpen last year, but I still think it could be a little more solid. But. 
Yeah. That's that's kind of going to be my guess. But What well, happens to Arietta next year? Oh, that's a good question. That is. He, okay, listen to this. I know you're psychic, so please tell me what will happen. Okay, I've thought about this a lot because when I rolled out my notes today, mm-hmm. I was immediately like, the Cubs keep Arietta. Okay. Because I've read reports that the Cubs are going to go for you, Darvish. Really? Instead of Arietta. They're basically... What? Arietta's about eight months older than you, Darvish. So they're both born in 86, so they're both 31-year-old guys. Okay. So you, Darvish, and Arietta, for the most part, are the same thing. So your two best... <laughs> they're not the same. They're almost the same age, though. Yeah. So if you look at these two pitchers, mm-hmm. they're about the same age. They might cost the same amount of money. You, Darvish, might cost a little more because of his background. I'm not too sure. But logic would tell you, if those are the two best pitchers available... And Arietta has better numbers. Why would the Cubs not go for Arietta and then take you, Darvish? That sounds weird, right? Of course. Why would they do that? I've thought about this a lot. You, Darvish, is one of the most complex pitchers in all of baseball. The more I got into planning for this episode, the more I think he just needs a good pitching coach that he can work with all year. He missed all of 2016. Or, for surgery. No, all of 2015 because of Tommy John surgery. Sorry. Came back in 2016, didn't have a good postseason. And then this year, he would have had two different pitching coaches. The pitching coach that the Chicago Cubs have now is Jim Hickey. He's a guy that Madden was with yeah. in Tampa Bay yep. and has had really good success with pitchers. Guys like Alex Cobb and um, who's the other... Um, because I'm on the air and I'm on the spot and I can't think about it. Chris Archer. Okay. And so he's had good luck down there. So I just wonder, you Darvish literally has like 12 pitches. He can throw anything. And I just wonder if you get you Darvish with a good pitching coach, what you can do, because the Cubs are really good at preparing players mentally, right? That's a big part of Theo Epstein's mm-hmm. thing about getting these guys prepared mentally for the stage, clubhouse culture and stuff like right. that. And I'm not too sure the Rangers or even the Dodgers – but he was only a half a season with the Dodgers. But with the Rangers the whole time, I don't know if that's the best situation he could have been in right. to do that. So the more I think about it, I think Jake Arietta might go to Los Angeles. Really? And here's why. Los Angeles has the money to spend on him. Okay. Los Angeles is more of a pitcher-friendly park, I believe. So that's going to benefit Jake as well. And Jake also is like an entrepreneur type guy. I could see him wanting to be. In L.A. Out in L.A. I could see that. I mean, he's easy on the eyes. But also, what does it for the Los Angeles Dodgers is this. Okay. They picked up you Darvish, and it didn't work out. But the Los Angeles Dodgers have passed on Justin Verlander. Yep. And Matt Scherzer when he was a free agent, and it blew up on him. I didn't know they passed on that. Matt Scherzer was a free agent before the 25th. 15 seasons started okay. because the Tigers didn't want to re-sign it because it was an age thing. Yeah. And the Nationals got him. The Dodgers could have afforded him, but they didn't pursue it and they didn't do it. Oh, mistake. And then with Clayton Kershaw's postseason problems, what do you get with Jake Arrieta? You got a guy that can give you innings, but he's got a postseason pedigree. He's pitched shutout wildcard games. He beat the Indians twice in the World Series. This is a guy that can do for you in the playoffs what you've had a pitcher that's never been able to do. So what's that going to do? I feel like that would be a deadly duo. Clayton Kershaw and Jake Arrieta. I feel like they would – I think that 
Kershaw would bring out the best in Jake because Jake would want to be like the best pitcher on the team. And I think it would like drive this crazy yeah. competition. And they're both like good looking guys. Like, and I think that would intimidate Jake. I know that sounds crazy, but I really do. And I think that he would like rise to the occasion yeah. because he would be like, oh, I'm not going to let Clayton Kershaw out, out pitch me. No. And I think Clayton Kershaw is going to look how Jake's pitched in the postseason. Yeah. And he's because Jake Arrieta has has his own training style. He's got his own methods. He stays in shape. He does Pilates. He's got his cutthroat attitude. Yeah. And what you said, it's going to bounce off of those guys where like Clayton's going to see what Jake's doing. Jake's going to see what Clayton's doing. Yeah. If you've ever listened to a Jake Arrieta interview during like baseball games, Jake Arrieta is real quick to want to put himself in the same conversation as Madison Bumgarner and Clayton. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he wants to be up with the elite. Oh, yeah, he does. And if you put him on that big market LA stage, because that's a bigger market than Chicago, in that, I mean, he's in Hollywood. Like, what in the world? And so for that, that reason would probably alone, make him happy. that's a win-win for everyone because you do what you said. You get the best out of Jake Arrieta. Yeah. You get him on a huge stage. And what's he do in the clubhouse for guys that don't have postseason experience or like Clayton Kershaw that just haven't had success in the postseason? How good does Alex Wood pitch next year? Mm-hmm. In 2017, he pitched great. But listen, with Jake Arrieta in the clubhouse, could be really Jason Hamill was a different pitcher. Yeah. Kyle Hendricks was a different pitcher. John Lester had not a good 2015 and came out with a monster 2016. John Lackey had a great 26. I mean, these guys I'm were like pitching unfolding good that, baseball. I'm like unpacking that in my brain right now, and I think that could be seriously yeah. dangerous if the Dodgers have Clayton Kershaw and Jake Arrieta. Yep. But I look at the Chicago Cubs in the same light if they get you Darvish. Right. Because you Darvish is going to now have – he's going to have the coaching staff, the thinking, the Cubs way, the process around him. support. That's going to get him lined up mentally. Sure. It could be a win-win then. I'm kind of on board with that. But when you first brought it up, like, oh, yeah, let's switch Darvish with Arietta. I'm like, yeah, okay, why? I but was, it makes, it makes I was sense like, when no you start way at all. It. Because you, Darvish, might cost you six years, 160, 180 million bucks. You don't think but, his price went down at all this year? Oh, it went down for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's still going to be an expensive, and you know, an expensive sign. That's close to my salary. But <laughs> to put him in that clubhouse that values... Like, not only the physical part of playing the game, sure. but the, the mental. mental part of playing the game. Yeah. And then also for you, Darvish, to be around veterans in that clubhouse that have been there and that know what he's going through. Anthony Rizzo is a leader. Is, I love him. Is good, if not better, than anyone you'll ever find in a clubhouse. But sure. pitching-wise, who's he going to be with? John Lester. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's huge because Lester's been through it all. Boston World Series, Cubs World Series. He's pitched well. He's pitched not well. It's been, yeah, that's what it is. You guys are listening to The Greatest Show on Dirt. Thank you for listening. Courtney, this episode, is fighting through a cold. She is in her own flu game. Yeah. This episode, (coughs) Monday, November 6th, will be remembered forever as the flu episode. Courtney, what are you doing to get through this episode? How are you feeling right now? I'm okay. I, um, I'm holding back a lot of coughs, and I know that I sound really raspy. And I have yeah. a really bad radio voice to begin with, so add a, a cold onto that. It's just disastrous, so it's not going to sound good coming out of my mouth, and I apologize. Um, but this is something you've probably prepared for your whole entire life, I would imagine. Just big playing stage. Playing through the flu. Yeah, Big yeah, stage yeah. playing through the flu. Definitely a flu game for sure. But, um, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big champion. That definitely makes you Michael Jordan and me Scottie Pippen, but I'm okay with that, though. You Jordan know, but, is 23, and that's my birthday. 
Yep, that's Two, right. Three. So you're having the number 23 game today. I want to talk a little bit about the Houston Astros and their improbable World Series victory. Sure. I know. I just feel like we spent all the time talking about the Dodgers and are neglecting yeah, the World actually Series nev- Yeah, we actually yeah. never got oh, to the by good the part way, of— Oh, by the way, the Astros won the World yeah, Series. the Astros did Sign win up. the World Series. Yeah. Uh, 56 years, they had never won a World yeah, Series. Yeah, <laughs> They'd actually even been to a World Series and didn't even win a game when the White Sox beat them. I'm happy they That won. White Sox championship that ESPN constantly forgets sure. about. But there are some good stories that came out of this, and I'm going to start— like that video with, you posted on Instagram with, uh, uh, what's his name, dancing? Oh, Jose Altuve <laughs> is a phenomenal dancer. If you go to our um, like our Facebook page, you can watch Jose Altuve just breaking it down in the dugout. I mean, it was amazing. But, and then he just like walks away like it was nothing. Well, like he just stops dancing. Well, that's one of the players I want to talk about because I wrote a piece and it's on our website, greatestondirt.com, and it kind of... I didn't know what I was writing when I started it, Okay, but it really goes into kind of like how the Houston Astros weren't really supposed to win the World Series. This is a team that between 2011 and in 2014 during their rebuild averaged about 108 losses per season. I didn't realize it was that much. Yeah, and when I started the piece, I kind of started looking at Jose Altuve and kind of how he got signed in his uh, his progress through the thing because everyone always goes into his size, 5'6", right? Sure. It's kind of fun to talk about now because he's probably going to win the MVP and he's led the AL in hits for the last four years, but this is a guy that tried out for baseball in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. He got cut. They said, go home, man. And the thing that everyone looked at him was the obvious height. Like, oh, people would say him, oh, like, you're good, but only if you were just bigger, right? Like, what are we going to do with somebody so small? You maybe need to be 6'2 and 220 to play baseball. I'm not Why? too what sure. What does that benefit? Because it, nobody's ever seen it before. Sure. You know, he's like the spud web of baseball, but mm-hmm. no one's ever played baseball that was as short as him since like 1900. Wow, it just didn't, I didn't happen. Know that. But this guy got sent it's not home. Basketball. Exactly. Well, this guy got sent home in Venezuela, came back the next day just to play baseball. And they were like, we cut that guy, but they went ahead and let him play. Because the second day he went to try out in Venezuela, the first day he went, he knew a scout mm-hmm. that kind of heard of him and saw him play maybe once. And he wasn't there that first day. And Jose's like, I got cut, but I'm going back the second day. And that scout was there. Right. That knew of him. And there was another scout that was there for the Astros. And they were talking about Altuve. And he asked the scout that knew Jose, he said, does he always play the game that hard? To which the scout answered, all the time. Doesn't huh. matter where he's at. He loves the game and he plays it. They signed him that day and Houston told Jose Altuve, they said, we only have $15,000. And that was an extremely low amount to sign a guy for when he goes, I'll take it. Wow. And this is a guy, Jose Altuve, when he was in Venezuela, the, it was hard for him to find a baseball to even play with. Wow. They would go to like the games in Venezuela and try to catch a home run ball or to get someone to give them a foul ball. And he said as soon as he'd get the ball, he'd go home. His dad would work 12-hour days and come home and play ball with him for an hour or two Aww. when he had a baseball. How and he said sometimes he'd hit a foul ball and they'd just lose the ball. So he'd get so excited to get a ball. And that was such a good story because the Houston Astros are filled with guys on their team that if you look at them, they shouldn't even be playing baseball because right. everything was against them, like a guy like Jose Altuve who didn't even have a baseball. Oh, I'm so glad they won. Yeah. And then – um Evan Gaddis, mm-hmm. he's a catcher for him. He'll be catcher in DH. And when he graduated high school, he didn't go to college. He went to rehab. Wow. Yeah. He was. He didn't play baseball for years. So what happened after that? It was a lot of anxiety and substance abuse. And 10 years ago, and there's a, a picture everyone's probably seen on Instagram or Facebook. He was a janitor at like a cleaning service. Yeah, I saw that. And just trying to get himself back up. So what happened was he got mixed up like in a, I mean, just killer anxiety Substance abuse, the whole nine. And then 
got out of rehab, traveled around the U.S. to at one point he was living in New York, broke, begging mm-hmm. for food. Right? So you have Jose Altuve that can't find a baseball, and then Evan Gaddis that can't find food. It's like the Houston Astros are a bunch of, like, misfits. Yeah. So he made, <laughs> he made his way back home. He had a buddy that played ball at, like, a junior college, and he said, I'm ready to play baseball again. Evan Gaddis started playing ball. Well, he went out west and took, like, a spiritual advisor to try to get himself lined up mentally, you know, right. to figure out all of his stuff, kind of like Ricky Williams did in football. Sure. And then called his buddy who played baseball at some small college and said he was ready to play. So he got him on the team. And then I think maybe the Rockies drafted him in 2010. And then he found his way to Houston. Right. And him and Altuve's story just kind of caught me because right. these are two guys that had everything against him. And it wasn't that Evan Gaddis was like some druggie living the life. He's not out there being Johnny Manziel. This is a guy that really struggled with stuff in his head. But yeah. somehow persevered was able to get past it and wow. say, hey, like, I'm, you know, I'm going to do this. Um and those are just, you know, two really good stories that come out of this thing. And even also, um, well, those are really your big stories. But sure. coming into the World Series, even a lot of the guys on the team weren't playing good. George Springer was in a slump. A lot of guys were in a slump. Yeah. But to go back to Altuve and Evan Gaddis, it's just a representation of Houston as a city that went through all this stuff. I saw a video of a couple people in their house celebrating the World Series win. And you know how a house looks when it's being built and it's got like two by fours up yeah. the wall with um, – the, like the insulation, yeah. like that was what was left of their house. Right. And they were that sitting, so they were the sitting on those like cheap camping chairs, just like watching the World Series. And it gave them so something to a, be excited yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, and it's that, but it's like what this team did for the city, mm-hmm. no other team could do that for any other city. Because right. not only did you have the team that was beat up, but you had a city that was beat up and right. they could all relate to each other. Yeah. And for this to kind of happen to me, like with all those meanings, it's just as big as a 108 year drought. Oh, I when think you look so. at the Cubs last year with everything that could have happened, um, and for everything those players did for the, you know, for the city during, and then of course winning it. You are listening to The Greatest Show on Dirt. We just want to thank everybody again for listening to this week's episode. And just wanted to let everyone know that since the baseball season is over, we still will continue yeah, you to record shows. Yeah, you won't too long. Yeah, probably once a week, maybe sometimes twice a week, depending on what happens. And we'll do our best to kind of cover free agency because a lot of moves that are going to happen, as we talked about with you, Darvis, Jake Arrieta. We'll do some team predictions next year. Next episode, we'll probably talk about some coaching switches and things like that. But sure. otherwise, we'll go and end this again. Thank you so much for listening. You're tuned in to The Greatest Show on Dirt. We'll catch you next time. Thank you.